everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We're going to talk to Chris Mannix from Sports Illustrated coming up here momentarily, your NBA Daily Assist. Gordo, uh, it'll be interesting to talk to Chris and get the latest on, you know, what what the NBA is is doing and kind of the latest plans on where we go from here. Be searching for every possibility uh, in this particular case uh as far as what the options are what you know if they do get going again where can they play the games how wow how will they manage that all of that's coming into play but they're probably got their ears keenly peeled to uh to to whatever information they can get from uh from people in positions uh who are better informed about this virus all right let's in fact get to it it's time for your daily assist austin hit it it's time for your NBA fix. This is the Big Show Daily Assist, featuring all the latest news and insight on the association. Now joining the Big Show, senior NBA writer for Sports Illustrated, Chris Mannix, on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Daily Assist brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Check them out online, leesheatac.com. Out to the Sprint special guest line we go. Lease any phone and get an iPad or a Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. From Sports Illustrated, he's our friend Chris Mannix. Chris, weird times we're in, I know, but we hope you're doing well. Yeah, I'm fine, guys. Uh, hope the same over there. Hey, uh, start things off. Uh, talk about your reaction to what happened last Wednesday with the Jazz and the Thunder and what I, I guess we've seen from there. I mean, not at all shocking. Um, and I'm not saying that kind of Monday morning quarterbacking. I mean, I six hours before it happened, I wrote that this was going to happen. Um, the This virus was spreading way too quickly to not touch the NBA touch sports and i had been told in you know in all the conversations the nba and their owners had had they up until that point were trying to find ways to save the season but you know if a player had become infected that would be the end of it that they would suspend it almost immediately that was only a matter of time so it really didn't shock me at all when the the gobert news hit and uh and the nba had to do what it do it really was just an easy thing to predict so what are you hearing chris about what the future looks like you know not a lot more than what's out there i mean every time i talk to someone in the league office or someone with you know knowledge of what's going on in the league office it's often the same conversation where we're going to take this 30 days at a time now there are some things that we know at this point right we know that the CDC recommendations all but ensure that basketball is on the shelf until the middle of May. You know, that eight-week number is a pretty good guideline for the bare minimum of when basketball and sports might be able to come back. But nobody at the league office is operating under the belief that middle of May, that's when they're going to get rolling once again. There is an understanding that this is probably going to be significantly longer. And, And look, everything we've 
you know, learned about today uh, from watching the news and hearing the various experts, it, it's more likely than not that this gets worse before it gets better. So, you know, the NBA is kind of bracing itself for uh, a season that may not start until mid-June and a season that it's growing more and more likely may not start at all. Chris Mannix with us from Sports Illustrated. And, Chris, for those of our listeners may not have seen your reporting over the weekend on what's going on with Utah Jazz, can you reset that a little bit for us and then give your thoughts on what Donovan had to say this morning on Good Morning America? Yeah, I mean, I reported on Friday that Donovan Mitchell was extremely frustrated with Rudy Gobert um, when I was told by the sources that told me, completely understandable. I mean, we, we all at this point, and Gobert has admitted as much that Gobert was extremely careless about this, uh, that it wasn't just, you know, kind of what he did on video with the media, but stuff behind the scenes in the locker room that he just didn't take this all that seriously. And, you know, I, I think there's a part of Mitchell that, and, I, and this is more speculation, but I think there's a part of Mitchell that, that probably blames Gobert for the predicament that he, he finds himself in. Uh, so I, I chose the term extremely frustrated, and everything you saw this morning on Good Morning America basically confirms all that. I mean, he was asked point blank if he talked to Rudy, and he didn't say it. yes. He said, as you guys have probably repeated and played over and over again, uh, that he needed a cooling-off period. Uh, you know, he, he certainly – and, you know, Donovan's a very upbeat guy, a great guy um, – you know, he that was about as, as you know, he, that was probably as close to a confirmation of his frustration as you're probably going to get. So, look, you know, down the line, uh, I would bet that, you know, cooler heads prevail. And I would I would assume that Gobert continues to go out of his way to try to make amends there. But I did have I have talked to people in and around the organization who have said that, you know, how Mitchell responds to all this could could really make or break that relationship. Uh, and it's it's something that that certainly bears watching, not just for the rest of this season if if they come back, but you know also the future of this franchise if those two players can coexist. So overall, how do you feel, Chris, about the way the league responded to this? Not that they had any kind of choice at all, but it seems as though they were leading the way for what other leagues were doing as well. Yeah, I mean they they led the way in large part because they were forced to lead the way. I mean, they were the first league to have a player test positive. Uh, so they really didn't have any other choice in the matter. And look, you can certainly argue that they should have been a little more proactive and should have shut things down before they got to this point. Fortunately, it seems like the infections are at a minimum with the three that we know of. Um so, so that's a good thing. But you could certainly make the case that they could have been more proactive. Look, if, if we didn't have – I mean, look, at this point, given the way that the world has evolved, they'd be shut down anyway. But they were not talking shutdown in the, in the days and hours before, you know, the Gobert case came about. So, you know, you could certainly argue that they could have been more proactive. But at, at this point, they've done everything you can possibly do. They're not talking about playing games anytime soon. They're simply like the rest of us trying to ride this thing out. You mentioned uh, proactive, and the word I want to bring up, Chris, is how prepared were they? And I, I want to ask that based, you know, we can't be totally prepared for something like this and the way that it all unfolded. But is this something or, or a situation like this, is this something the NBA had processed at least beforehand? Not really. I mean, uh, you know, Adam Silver said it himself that this was uh, a snap decision you know, once the Gobert case came to 
to light. And I, I think the NBA from there was trying to figure all this out. Um, you know, it, I think it speaks volumes that it took a couple of days or at least a day plus for Adam Silver to speak on this matter. Every time I tried to, you know, talk to Adam, you know, try to get to Adam in the day after all this came down, I mean, the message I got from people in the league office was, look, we're still trying to get information. We're still trying to learn about, you know, all this. So they didn't want to speak off the cuff without, cuff without all that information, which I respect. I mean, that's fine. Um, so, I, I, look, I don't, I don't think they were prepared, but I think they were as prepared as, you know, our, our, our damn government was. Like, <laughs> it doesn't seem like we're all that prepared right now on, a, on a, an American level. So, you know, they, they did the only thing they could do. Um, and in the, in the aftermath, they've certainly been supportive of everybody. I think it's a great idea to tell players to go home and that they're free to travel. I mean, the idea of players practicing is nuts. I mean, I heard from a number of different players in the last couple of days who have said, you know, some version of if it's too dangerous for us to play, shouldn't it be too dangerous for us to practice? And and they're right. And the NBA came to that conclusion as well. So they've they've checked all the boxes since then. So I, I you know I I grade their reaction as you know B plus A minus given all the circumstance. So Chris, I asked you about the future effect of this. Uh, this is sort of an open ended question. I'm kind of vague, but. Do you expect the, the new normal to change anything uh, moving? I'm not talking about within the next few months, but I mean in the years and seasons to come. Do you think anything is going to change from this? Well, I, I don't know what can change from a you know from a logistics perspective. In that, look, we don't know anything about the future of this virus. We don't know if it's going to go the way of some others and kind of disappear in the summer months. We don't know if it's going to be a recurrence. We don't know how long it's going to take for you know, a vaccine to be developed uh, that would be effective in combating this virus. This is a lot we don't know to make any projections. I would say that, and I'm going to write about this towards the end of the week, I, I'm, I'm very intrigued. If the game comes back and we start playing basketball in the summer, how does that go over? You know, the, I, I've long puzzled about why the NBA hasn't tried this. Like, nobody cares about basketball till Christmas anyway. You have no competition outside of baseball. Nobody cares about baseball, you know, for the most part. Sorry, baseball fans. But, like, <laughs> baseball is low-rated. Like, why not try to own the summer months when nothing is going on? Like, why not take a, a big swing? Now, the argument's always been, you know, TV networks uh, – would be against it. But, I mean, I'll, I'll give you a glimpse of my reporting. I had a conversation just today with John Skipper, who used to run ESPN. He's now over at DAZN. And, you know, Skipper thought it would work, thought the ratings would be great in the summertime if they, they tried. He pointed out that summer league ratings are, are often great. There's a huge appetite for NBA basketball in the summertime. So what, what could come out of this, if they do come back, is if we see a wildly successful, uh, you know, July and August in terms of ratings – you could see a, a strong movement towards starting the season in December and making that permanent, which, you know, frankly, I think is, is a terrific idea to try. So how delicate of a topic is it going to be, Chris, to try and get, you know, the, there's a lot of money on the line, obviously, NBA playoffs and, and being flexible to possibly get those, uh, get those things in. How delicate is it going to be to balance that possibility with, of course, safety? Well, I mean, it, the, the way to answer that is safety – Will, will come first. You know, the, the NBA, from a, even if they tried to do things that were questionable, they would just get crucified for it. So, 
I, I, they're not going to do anything that that is any kind of risk. I mean, you would have to. I think for NBA basketball to come back, and they would have this would be the only way to come back in in empty arenas. You would have to have the CDC say you can have events of 500 or less. Because if you have events of 500 or less, you can do NBA games and empty arenas or practice facilities and still do TV production. So you can get that TV money, which is a huge amount of money, you know, in terms of the overall overall revenue. So they're not going to be able to get away with anything. What I'm looking at in in the next few months is how does the league and the players handle the, the issue of player payment? Players, like their payment doesn't stop at the end of the regular season. Uh, from what my understanding is, is all players, at least the vast majority, are paid through like November 1st. Like that's the fiscal year uh, for player salaries. At least I know a couple of players I talked to who explained that to me. So like if you have a, a calendar that, that pays guys out every couple of weeks, at some point, NBA owners are going to say no. And we know through the force majeure uh, uh, trigger, they, can, they have a mechanism to not pay players. And at some point, guys, they are going to exercise that. So them exercising that, uh, how does the union respond? Can Adam Silver get with Michelle Roberts and, and with Chris Paul, the president of the union, and negotiate this ahead of time so it doesn't become kind of a public fight? That, to me, is what, what bears watching the next couple of months. Because owners, you know, they might be – you know, talking about national health now, but at some point they're going to start looking at their money and they're going to say, if we're not making it, we're not paying it. Uh, it's funny that you said that, Chris, because that was my next question. It was, what's the state of affairs between the players' union and the NBA as far as making these things malleable? Like what you were talking about, if they were ever to shift the season. Uh, would would that would obviously have to be agreed upon, right? And so, I, are these are they? Is the circumstance such that they are willing to work with each other? Well, at this point, you know, I think they are. Um, you know, Adam Silver and Michelle Roberts have a very good relationship. This is not; it's not as adversarial as it was for a time with David Stern and Billy Hunter and some other. You know, like Michelle Roberts has a union to protect, of course, but they have had a pretty good working relationship from everything I understand about it. So as long as they maintain kind of constant communication, I think that can be worked out. I don't think the idea of playing in July and August would be an issue with players, uh, especially with it growing more and more likely that we see the Olympics get wiped out. I mean, that's that's something I see that, that could prove problematic. Some of the international players who have committed to playing for their respective countries, but I, I grow less and less optimistic about the Olympics uh, every passing day. But uh, again, the, the question is, you know, if, if owners trigger this mechanism where they can stop paying players, how does the union respond? I mean, it's pretty well spelled out in the collective bargaining agreement that epidemics can, can cause the triggering of this. So they're well within their rights uh, to do that. And look, players are starting to think about it. I mean, you saw Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, for the Nets, who's as fiscally savvy as any player in the league, uh, he tweeted out after the news broke that players could leave their markets that, you know, how long before teams come after players' money? And that's a sentiment I've heard echoed by a number of players in the last uh, 24 hours. So I, I think that's, that's a battle that's brewing uh, between players and owners, and you hope that cooler heads could prevail. The owners don't have a choice about shutting this league down. This is where we're at, and – at some point, players are going to have to realize that they may not have a choice in, in seeing their money go away. 
Well, Chris, thank you very much for coming on. We'll be glued uh, to, uh, to SI, of course, for the latest on all of this with the NBA. And uh, keep washing those hands, and hopefully we'll talk to you soon. You got it, guys. Thanks, Chris. The great Chris Mannix from Sports Illustrated joining us. And, uh, you know, Gordon, it's it's interesting hearing him talk about the, you know, and you asked a question and he was getting into it about the players and the Players Association. There's all these details that have just been pushed to the back burner, basically, and in order to do what's right, which is the right thing, of course. But, man, there's going to be a lot that they're going to have to figure out. I mean, tons. Uh, that detail alone, you know, how much and what do these players get paid for the amount of that they've played and and that's that's going to be a big time issue man i i like the way chris said that because the it, it, these owners and people around the league they want what's best and right now they're concerned about people's health and this virus and uh, the effect it's having on the on the american public and worldwide and all that sort of thing but as time goes by people do start to worry about their uh their finances when you look at what the markets are doing today, it's uh, I, I imagine universally owners and uh, players are, are concerned about that side of it. And so the owners don't want to keep shoveling out money for nothing. And it's it does become a concern at some point. Now, when that point is, I don't know. But I hopefully, don't... Sorry, hopefully, this, hopefully this thing will be restored. I mean... <laughs> You have to believe at some point, and I like to be optimistic about this sort of thing, hopefully this thing will be contained and at some point controlled. And and we can get back to some normalcy that will restore some of what's been lost. Now, whether that can happen in, in the, like you were talking about earlier, as far as having the playoffs at a certain point during the summer, something like that, fine. But what happens if it if it's other than that? What happens if, if, if the games can't be played? Then at what point do the owners say, Okay, we're gonna we're gonna trigger this thing over here and uh and all y'all are gonna be out of your paychecks. That's it's funny because these players obviously make a whole lot of money uh, and everyone's concerned about their finances right now because there are businesses coast to coast and all over the world who are suffering right now because of the sh- these shutdowns and whatnot. But what it, it matters to people who have money, too, and these folks do. The interesting part, I think, will be, Gordon, when these topics actually come up. Um, and not only in the NBA, but of course across sports in the world. When these, because because right now people don't want to hear it, you know, right? If if an NBA team out there all of a sudden said, "Hey, we're we're uh, not going to pay the players during this particular time," you know, people don't want to hear that right. right now. I mean, that's not mm-hmm. on the. That's where it's a delicate line. The NFL is actually walking that they're going to keep open, which I I don't hate that idea. I really don't. They'll have to jump through some hoops and those sorts of things. But do, does your average uh, you know, uh, citizen here of these United States when they're sitting at home and they're worried about uh, toilet paper for their backsides and putting food on the table, do they want to hear about, um, uh, you know, franchise tags and millions of dollars and uh, guaranteed money and those sorts of things? Does that send the right message, you know? Well, it, it sends a hard message to, for people to consume right now. But if if... Uh, I, I don't know. I'm not an ec- uh, economist, uh, uh, but but if it's hurting at the top, it's probably going to hurt at the bottom as well. 
And these are things that will have to be worked out at some point. If if the virus virus gets taken care of, whatever that means, uh, in in a short amount of time, then then I think these things will rebound without much of a repercussion. But if they if this is extended over a long long period of time, Jake, at that point, all bets are off. And obviously, health is the number one concern all the way around right now. What will it be six months from now? It's a a big question, and and how much will sports be a part of the landscape by then and uh, in what form? And we're just we're just at the beginning of this thing where it, it just feels like there's so much uncertainty. I was even listening to the the press conference, which seems to be daily uh, from the White House and uh, the people managing uh, this this crisis on a federal level. And, you know, they get asked every day how long until we can get back to some normalcy. And the truth is that even the folks who, who study this and follow this and are leading the way in this, they just have no idea. Gordon, let alone yeah. uh, uh, a couple of bozos on uh, Salt Lake Sports Radio or even, you know, the mighty NBA at this point. We just don't know. Yeah, we're, we're all riding the wave. And right now the wave is uh, is going down and down and down. And uh, a lot of people are concerned about health, macro health issues at this point. But they're also concerned. An awful lot of people lost an awful lot of money today. And uh, it's it's getting painful for both those who live paycheck to paycheck and those who uh, have a considerable stock portfolio. All right, we want to remind you about the folks at Action Plumbing. Get your furnace tune-up and safety check for 33 bucks. Call 801-833-3333 or give them a call at, uh, or check them out online, excuse me, at actionplumbing.net. All right, we'll have more Big Show coming up straight ahead. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 of The Zone. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Thanks for making us a part of your Monday. We greatly appreciate it, especially in times like these. want to remind you, listen, uh, coming up on Wednesday for your chance to win tickets to Brad Paisley uh, as part of Win Ticket Wednesday. His uh, Love and War Tour is coming in 2020, and uh, he's going to have special guests Jordan Davis and Gabby Barrett Saturday, May 30th, the USANA Amphitheater. Tickets on sale now. Per, uh, purchase your tickets at LiveNation.com. Uh, Gordon, I want to get your thoughts on some things going on around the NFL because that's the sport that's uh, still kind of rolling with their offseason as uh, we've seen news come in fast and furious. But what do you think about their decision to continue with their free agency? And we saw that they're not going to do the draft in Vegas. However, the draft uh, is going to uh, proceed. What are your thoughts with the way they're handling things? Well, as long as they can keep people safe, um I thought it was interesting that uh, they they came to agreement on their labor deal, and uh, th- that's productive. Although, when you saw that happen, Jake, did you think that the coronavirus outbreak was uh, was affecting that? Do you think some players were feeling somewhat insecure, and so they were willing to agree to the money at hand and get that deal done? No, but I I don't know. I don't know if I'm qualified to to answer that. It felt like that the agreement was going to be agreed upon all the way along. If anything, I think it was closer than people thought. And if they were really close. if they were really unsure about uh, the situation going through right now, wouldn't you think they would have ratified it more um, uh, with bigger numbers? 
because people just wanted to get it done and make sure they were going to be compensated? Well, not only were the was it, what was it like? Uh, it was like a hundred votes apart, uh, pretty pro close versus con. Yeah, and five hundred players who are eligible to vote didn't even vote. Now that just I mean, seems ludicrous. I mean, why? I, I can't believe that's that would be the case that people want. What is this a vote. general election? What's going on? I mean, those those CBAs. I mean, they that's that's how you make your money, and that's how much. And playing another game should be a big deal to those players. It's the, the NFL players union has not often in its existence had much leverage. And they finally had a little leverage. I mean, it was probably pretty important how they used it, right? Well, for those of you who don't know uh, what what was on the table, essentially, essentially the the players agreed to an extra game and a more playoff opportunities. So it's essentially more work, more risk, but it's also more money for the players. And some of the players who already have uh, a lot of money who don't want to take those risks of having more exposure in uh, regular season games might have had a problem with it. But uh, I, I don't know. I, I thought it almost seemed to me like the players were somewhat apathetic about the whole thing. And that that's... That's dangerous no matter what kind of vote we're talking about. It is. But, it, I mean, it got done. I think it's a good thing that it got done. I don't really care about the additional game or playoffs. I just don't want to see another work stoppage. And you know what? Most of these players are, are making pretty much the league minimum anyway so that if they can put a little more cash in their pocket in exchange for that risk, I think that's probably a good thing, don't you? I suppose. Well, I mean, we hate labor stoppages. Come on, I mean that's uh, th- that's not a good look for any league at any time. But if there is a league where I lean toward the players' plight, if that's what you want to call it, it's more in the NFL than any other pro league I can think of. Oh, I would I would certainly agree to that because there's so many of them. That's why it's so hard uh, for them to get good deals because it's tough to get all these guys, all these players on the same page to to row the same direction, especially when their their careers are so short, Gordon. You know, let's say they do strike like Major League Baseball did in the 90s and lose a year. That's, you know, that's one third of their earning potential. Well, the rookie deals that these guys sign usually are pretty much in favor of uh, of uh, ownership, and, uh, and and like you said, the careers don't last that long, and so it seems like players sometimes are looked at as interchangeable parts when it comes to the NFL, and I I don't like to see that. Now, the stars, certain players are making really good money, and there's no room for sympathy for them when it comes to finances. Uh, on the other hand, there are those who are who are just trying to store up what they can while they can before that career ends. And those are the guys you feel for, like you were saying. One interesting thing that's going on right now, of course, Tom Brady is kind of holding everything up. And we did have a, a gentleman's wager on where Tom would end up, Gordon, if he didn't end up with the Patriots. Uh, uh, Austin took the Titans because he's a Titans fan. I was given, uh, given the Titans. You were given the Titans, yes. I, I took, No objection, but I was given the Titans. I took the Raiders. Gordon took the Chargers. And we, it looks like we're all going to be wrong. And I especially so say Gordon that. So Gordon owes incriminating audience. I agree with that. But what what happened? Your <laughs> Titans are signing Ryan Tannehill? He's really good, guys. 29? Four years? Is that Just look at the Six games he played last year. He's going to make $29.5 million. Uh, the whole contract is worth $118 million. $62 million fully guaranteed. $91 million in total guarantees. It is, it is 
pretty nuts. Is he good enough to do that for it? Just like uh, the the Cowboys giving the franchise tag to Dak, is he good enough to really invest in, in a long-term contract with? I mean, that's – Gordon, you talk about it all the time, how important these quarterbacks are in the game of football, specifically the NFL. I mean, geez, what do you think of, of where we're, some of these deals are going? Everybody's desperate for a quarterback. But maybe I not just, the Cowboys because they did the franchise tag. They're not giving Dak yeah, – they're not backing you know. up the Brinks truck. Yeah, I get it. Uh, well, I would be concerned about my quarterback if I were an owner in the, in the NFL. I mean, if I'm a coach, you got to have that. If you don't have that, you don't have any hope. Okay, and, let me ask you this. Can, let, can we do a little experiment here just to have a little fun? Right. Okay, mm-hmm. if Gordon Monson were Jerry Jones, and what I'm looking here for here is a, a Jerry Jones impression from Gordon Monson, what would it sound like Jerry debating with himself whether or not to sign long-term? Dak Prescott. Uh, well, it would sound a little bit like this. Uh, you know, I really like uh, Prescott. Uh, well, really, I don't. Yeah, I really think he's good. Well, I'm not so sure about that. Well, I think we ought to commit to him. Well, I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not ready to do that. Well, I think he deserves a lot of money, and I think that we should celebrate him and and establish him as our leader. Oh, really? I don't like. Wait, him wait, at all. hold on. That that just sounds a lot like Gordon. I, I thought we were going to get Jerry here. I can't do an impersonation. Why not? Come you on, can't I... put a little Southern on there, put a little, 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 <laughs> d- little draw, make it sound a little bit like Jerry. Uh, <laughs> well, I tell you, I, I can't do it. I can't do it. I used to be able to do a really good Southern accent because I had cousins and uncles. And well, yeah, and I'm, uh, I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to introduce y'all to John L. What? What did he? <laughs> That sounded kind of southern there, Gordon. That sounded more, I don't know what that sounded like. Here, here's that, sound, what, uh, that sounded like Bum Phillips or something. I don't know. Here, Here's where what I would think would be very hard about today's day and age in the NFL. The quarterbacks get paid so much and such a large portion of what you're allotted to pay your entire team, Gordon, that you have to be, I think, very delicate about who you give that money to. But the problem is, is that the position is going to be the highest paid position in the league. And right now, all these younger quarterbacks are all setting the market depending on when they become free agents. So you look at it and you go, wow, uh, you know, I, I don't know if Jared Goff is worth $100 million guaranteed, but he's the next man up and I don't want to think about life without him. So we'll go ahead and give him the give him the deal. And where you sit, you got to go, is Dak worth it? Because if the answer is no and you do it anyway, Gordon, you're going to be in the middle quick, right? I mean, it's yeah. almost better to break it down and rebuild than it is to take a chance on a player that could be good, right? Well, we've always said that, that the only thing worse than not having a good player is uh, is paying a bad player the way you would a good player. And uh, because then you're penalized for it for a long time. I agree with what you just said 100%. Uh, and that's why if I have a, a young – are you kidding me? If I have a young quarterback who has shown signs that he can win – I am gonna I am gonna back up that Brinks truck for that guy and I'm gonna hold on to him for a long time. And that's that's the condition of a number of quarterbacks around the league right now who have really haven't proven that they can be an elite quarterback. Okay, I'm gonna 
disagree just slightly because you said uh, can win. Isn't that the problem that uh, the the Cowboys have is that Dak actually has won a bunch of games, but is it because Dak has been really good or has he been kind of okay and he's surrounded with a lot of great players? Well, I'll give you another example of a team that went a, a different direction, Gordon Philly. Your beloved Eagles decided to give Carson Wentz all the money in the world when it was Nick Foles that actually won the football games for him. But they, it, I think it's about more than winning, I guess, is what I'm saying, if well, you're going to spend that kind of money. Yeah, backing up, this is where if I'm an owner, I have to trust my personnel people. I, I, I need to know, is that guy really what I think he might be? And that's why those guys should make those decisions, and they better get them right. Because the owner's not going anywhere, but the personnel guy will be if he doesn't get it right. So you have a quick draw McGraw impression, but not a Jerry Jones impression? We'll all do the thinning around here, Baba Louie, and don't you forget it. But somehow Jerry Jones is out of your repertoire. Sounds just like Jerry Jones. Sounds a little like Jerry Jones, actually. (laughs) So if I just do quick draw my girl, I'd be doing Jerry. Yeah. So talk about Dak in that in that voice there. <laughs> I can't. I can't do it, man. I just can't. Tell him, say, say, well, Ezekiel Elliott is this team, and don't you forget it. <laughs> I don't know if I believe that either, but. Uh... I won't forget it. Okay. All right. We'll have more Big Show coming up straight ahead. Stay tuned. It is uh, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This is Tony Parks and Austin Horton. I think the season being suspended, March Madness being canceled, all these things that have happened, it was inevitable. If it wasn't going to be Rudy, it was somebody somewhere else with some situation that was notable. I don't think it was, oh, NBA player, that's it, shut it all down. I don't think it's, well, if Rudy hadn't touched all these mics, we wouldn't be in this situation. No. The point is, this was going to happen no matter who was the face of it. There really is no point to knowing who started this whole thing. Mm -hmm. It's now about how do we, as a collective unit stop it that is why social distancing is in place that is why you are sitting six feet away from me Mm. on a different microphone offset this is not going to be permanent either if we adhere to these safe falls that have been placed tony parks and austin horton weekdays from 10 to noon on 97.5 1280 the zone in the zone sports network Monson, Jig Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of your Monday. Gordon, uh, we're trying to talk about sports when sports isn't uh, isn't going on. And today it's certainly easy to do that with so much news and, and sports being kind of the face of all this stuff. What did you uh, what do you think about some of the solutions out there for collegiate athletes? You think, you know, winter sports folks and of course we're talking about basketball. You think uh, maybe somebody like Sam Merrill for Utah State should get a year back for this? Boy, I tell you, I sure have seen a lot of that talk out there. Uh, there are always complications to these things, and I don't know how they would stack all that up as far as the scholarships go and and that sort of thing. But uh, 
Um, I'm not sure I've come to a, a strong conclusion on it. It's so, it's sad that these guys didn't have an opportunity to play. I mean, both Utah State and BYU. I I, I believe that both of these those teams had a shot to uh, to make it to the Sweet 16. Now that may or may not be true, but that's the way I thought about them because I thought both of those teams were somewhat formidable, especially if they got on a roll. And certainly Utah State was on a roll going down the stretch. And BYU, we saw what was hap- what was what they were capable of when they beat Gonzaga. And so, yeah, I, 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 it's, I'm torn. I'm just not sure that's the answer. Uh, I, I, I mean, it, life is tough sometimes. And these guys didn't get an opportunity to play in the tournament. I, I get that, but uh, but uh, I think they'll be okay in the long run if I, they uh, keep their health and, and pursue their careers. I, I think it's a little bit easier for, say, uh, spring sports, you know, like gymnastics and stuff like that, because they're just going to miss their entire year. I mean, it, it that's the way that it looks. And you just say, okay, we, we hit the pause button. And uh, we'll go to next year and nothing really will have changed. But, you know, with winter sports like basketball, most of the season is in the books. I mean, Mm -hmm. all the regular season is in the books. And then for both winter and spring sports, what do you do with like incoming freshmen? You know what right. I mean? Like if right. Sam Merrill were to stay at Utah State, that's obviously one less scholarship for somebody coming in as a freshman. Right. And so that would that would impact a lot of 18, 17, 18-year-old young people trying to make it in, in D1 sports, and we would do it because we feel bad for the seniors who don't get another bite at the apple. So, I mean, it's, it's certainly complicated. I think it's easier with spring sports than winter sports, but, you know, I don't know how they do that. My inclination, uh, without further research on it or convincing from somebody else, uh, would be to let things lie as they are. Uh, because, uh, look, there's a lot of people out there suffering right now. A lot of people out there are having hardship, and that's part of life sometimes. And uh, so, I mean, this is, this is a part of that hardship for these particular players. And, you know, usually I side on the side of the players. I... I, I like them to have every opportunity, but this is one of those weird natural happenings that uh, is is uh, just a part of life, and they'll get they'll get over it. I think. I don't know. I, it'd be pretty hard if if I were uh, on that BYU team to look back for the rest of my life, basically, and wonder what is isn't isn't that kind of sad because of the Brandon Davies situation with Jimmer. Uh, we look back on that and say, what would have been for BYU? And now in this case, it's obviously for a completely different reason. But I'm with you. I think this BYU team had a bunch of potential. And we're just we're always going to look back and say, you know, we, we they what could have been. And they, it can't be helped. You know, it's nobody's fault. But that's how, are you gonna, how are you going to recreate that, though? Uh, what if what if someone doesn't want to come back? What if somebody is eager to get started with their professional career or whatever you're not are you going to be able to recapture everybody and 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 then uh rebuild the same team with the same abilities and the same uh, momentum and i i it's a, it's a no. tough thing to put back together no is the answer you're you're right 
I mean, it, it certainly would be imperfect. I mean, well, we saw Utah State. I don't want to say the majority of their team came back this year from last year, but uh, the important pieces certainly did. And mm-hmm. they didn't have the same season they did last year. Now, still great. I'm not taking anything away from it, but I think it was different the way that they got there than a lot of us expected. So you're right. I mean, none of that stuff can be can be duplicated. And well, it's far from perfect. I mean, look, we would want these guys to have an opportunity, if at all possible, but it hasn't worked out that way because of these unfortunate uh, conditions. But uh, I, 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 it's like Humpty Dumpty. You, you can't put it back together again. I'm, that, that's the way I look at it. But uh, I could probably be convinced otherwise. Uh, I just think it's more complicated than bringing everybody back like you were talking about. And then I've got one more thing for you as long as we're talking about college athletics, Gordon. And uh, let me let me put it to you this way. Maybe we examine this more in the days to come as we can get uh, a little bit deeper into topics. But how many more controversial stories or things do we see happen during this uh, pandemic that uh, basically – um, are designed to fly under the radar. And, and what I mean by that is I own a hires Rick Patino at mm-hmm. pretty much the only time that you could actually hire Rick Patino and not create a major scandal. Yeah, I, I did take note of that, and I thought it was interesting. Uh, it, it's one of those deals where how long are you going to hold something against somebody? What kind of penalty should they pay? Uh, this is a guy who allowed things to happen and was... A, <laughs> depending on what your point of view is. Uh, certainly, uh, he was responsible for some of the things that were going on, and I'm not sure I would uh, I would be too happy about that. And if they're going to hire him as their head coach at Iona, they, they better, that school president better be 100% sure, or as sure as possible, that this isn't going, nothing like that is going to happen at, at that particular school. What are you talking about, um, Gordon? He had no idea those ladies of the evening were uh, around his recruits. No clue whatsoever. Um, yeah. That was okay. a rogue assistant, Gordon. You're not buying that? Come on. Yeah, it's, it's funny what your assistants can get away with when you're looking the other way. Are they hiring the rogue assistant at Iota? Oh, I don't know. That'd be a good question. Yeah, it's only, funny. Only if he's a good recruiter. <laughs> Sounds like he was the best. <laughs> it sounds like he was really good at it. <laughs> it was certainly motivated. And, yeah, I don't, Maybe the best I don't, way to get the attention of a 17- or 18-year-old young person. What it does uh, underscore is that if you know how to win, people are awfully forgiving. Yep, you know? You're going to get gonna hired. find a way to look at the bright side as far as it goes for you. Speaking of looking at the bright side, can I read you a tweet that I just saw? It was sent along uh, from someone I follow, liked it. Can I read this to you to p- try and put everybody in a better mood? My, can you would be my response because uh, your filter isn't always reliable. Yes, I can. Okay, all right. Uh, well, I mean, I, mother, may I? I don't know if I may, but I can. So this is uh, this is what this tweet said. It has nothing to do with sports, but the tweet said, "You of you, uh, police department officer." In filling up his drink, I asked him if I could buy it for him. He declined, then insisted on paying for mine. I refused as well. The cashier then told both of us, it's on us. Well, people trying to help out, trying to do something nice for somebody else. And in these uh, times, 
it seems like that's a good approach to try and uh, lift one another's spirits and help uh, help out where you can in ways that you can that are responsible. And like I said earlier, lifting emotionally if you can't be in people's physical presence. That was a, that sounds like a good staged feel good uh, story there. It does. It, oh, you don't think it was? You think somebody was lying? No, I'm just uh, well. Yeah, you didn't believe the mayor uh, going to the bathroom uh-huh. with his mic on. And that was a feel-good story. It was. We laughed. It was hilarious. He felt a lot much more good. <laughs> and and one of us had to be like, that doesn't feel real. It's like, come on, don't step on our fun. <laughs> <laughs> it just sounded like, I mean, the acoustics were just too good. You know, and everything that was going on in there. It wasn't quite you and Sacrament meeting. No, no, but it was it, it was close. It was really rather close. <laughs> How were the acoustics that day? Brother Monson. <laughs> well, it was absolutely silent in there. And uh, so they were and rather deadly. good that day, unfortunately. Oh. But, All right. Uh, but I didn't take a microphone into the... I didn't replicate a scene straight out of a movie. On that note, stay tuned. We'll have more Big Show coming up <laughs> next, 97.5 and 1280 of The Zone. Wrapping up a big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And what a just unique Monday it's been, Gordon. This is just, we've said it a couple times, uncharted territory. And today, to be honest, just felt weird. It feels weird. Yes, it's a unique Monday. And tomorrow will be a unique Tuesday and a unique Wednesday and on down the line. Uh, I think we are in for a whole lot of unique over the next uh period of time whether it's two weeks or whether it's two months or whether it's longer than that but uh, we'll have to we'll have to uh, navigate these waters as we go jake and i i don't know which way it's headed but hopefully uh, there will be important uh, solutions found to things that need uh, solutions uh, and most importantly the health of uh, all of us yeah, no doubt about it. And just kind of to reiterate, it seems like uh, folks out there just need to be smart. Uh, we're we're distancing socially, as they say, and trying to function as best we can. Gordon, I know my wife is uh, her company is has everybody uh, working from home. I think there are a lot of companies that way, but there are some jobs that 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 can't happen. You know, I saw people on my way into the uh, the stadium today. You know, working on the power grid and and things like that 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 um, you know are are very difficult just to take a couple of weeks off. So. So we've we've got to you know maintain and figure out the best way to get through this, and just by being smart and courteous towards our uh, fellow citizen. Yeah, well said, Jake. Well said. And look, I mean, this social distancing—that's good where it's possible. Uh, hopefully, emotionally, we won't be distant. Uh, hopefully, people will be able to support one another. Because when we talk about things like physical health, and we talk about things like. Uh, wages and these are stress points in people's lives and yeah they may be isolating at home but uh, a lot of people out there probably need a good word maybe some encouragement along the way you know gordon if if you wired austin and i each 10 grand i think that would go a long way towards supporting us emotionally well as i said based on the uh, the markets and the way they're going i may be asking you for uh, five bucks but uh it's 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 difficult for everybody right now the uncertainty is uh, is a tough thing for one and all. And that's why it's good to be back on the air again, Jake. It's good to be able to do our jobs and hopefully entertain and inform people or at least cause them to think 
and hopefully there will be happier things to think about day by day moving forward. All right. I'll get you my Venmo, and uh, we'll just move forward. That'd be great. Well, (laughs) I'll, I'll help. As I can. By the way, do you you have an extra roll of TP I could borrow? (laughs) All right, Gordo. I will uh, talk to you tomorrow, my good friend. Good show today. All right. Thanks. And uh, maybe maybe we should go Austin's route and maybe try out that bidet thing. That might work. It might work. Thanks to Austin as well. All of our listeners will talk to you tomorrow on the big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.